was, I was drinking tea. He's drinking tea. Oh, well, you guys. Hello. Hello. Hey. Howdy. Welcome to the 13th Floor Podcast. This week we're talking about Vikings. How you guys been? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah. All right, you guys. What's our icebreaker today? Oof. Wait, we didn't introduce ourselves. Oh, yeah. Uh, you guys, I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And we're the hosts of this lovely podcast. The 13th floor, in case you accidentally clicked on us for some reason. Well, we're happy <laughs> that's, that's all I got to say. Yeah, happy accident, we're there. Yeah, let me, look up, let me look up and see where our listeners are today. You guys talk amongst yourselves for a second, okay? <laughs> oh, let me see what... Fun fact, that's just normal sounds that Cece makes when she's typing on her keyboard. I yeah. <laughs> I just imagine like a horror movie where she's like hiding somewhere and beep, boop, beep, she's, boop, she's like trying to call 911, but she's like beep, beep, boom. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny, you guys. Well, today I'm going to give a shout out to all of our listeners in Michigan. Howdy ho. And this week we're tipping our hats off to everybody in Japan. Wow. Yes. So we've got listeners all over the place. If you like our podcast, we hope that you will leave us a review. I was getting ready to say keep it strange. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we do hope you keep it strange, but yeah, leave us a review on iTunes if you want to. And also tell your friends about the show. Yeah. Yeah. We'd love to make more friends. So check out our website and send us a lovely request. Yeah, we've gotten topic. we've gotten quite a few, haven't we, James? Yeah, yeah, almost all very, very, very good. Yeah, I'm excited. But are we ready for our icebreaker? I uh, if James is because I didn't think of it. <laughs> I've got one. Uh, I've deal. got one. If you could be a mythological deity, or is it deity? I think it's deity. Deity. For anything in the world, <laughs> what would it be? This is like a G- James a question. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you almost have to pick like someone like Zeus because he just he's the god of everything. All the rest of them. He's, he's also like, yo, hey, hey, what do you think you're doing over there? He throws a lightning bolt at you, he puts does. you in your place. Goodness, I'd be scared of him. So you just want to be a god of everything? <sighs> I mean, why put limits on myself? <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, that's Alex's answer. Oh, um, man. I would want to be a goddess of flowers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Or writing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very specific. Those two things, because they're close to my heart. Flowers are close to your heart? I love flowers. They make me happy. Mm, like killing flowers. And they flowers. make other people happy. No, I like... <laughs> I've, I'm James. I'm growing a very pretty garden right now. So oh, good, good deal. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, I think I would probably be a, a deity of of agriculture, of of growing things. Mm. Wow, yeah. James, we'd be like we'd be like best friends. Well, unless <laughs> I told you otherwise and I reassigned you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I thought you would say like God or uh, God of Godzilla or something. No, I'd be like James. Now you're the god of the DMV. Oh. <laughs> that would be oh goodness. That would be awful. Although the DMV here in Alpharetta is not bad at all. I, I've got to give them major props. Okay, well, hmm. you must have had a wonderful interaction. One every time I go, there's me. no one there. Weird it's magic. Maybe you are a god of the DMV. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys. Um. Are we, are we, that was 
our, our dog. dog's fat flapping around. Yep. Mm. Oop, she's rolling around on the ground. It's going to be Do a mistake to have left yes. her out. Just keep her in. Yeah, she's beautiful. Look at her. She's looking at me with those big, beautiful brown eyes. Mm. What's up, doggy? Some, something tells me about five seconds when this dog starts walking around, her nails start. Click, 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 click. All right. Well, we'll give her a chance. <laughs> okay. So today, Alex, you're going to be starting us off on yeah. the Vikings. Yeah. Some Just a couple facts that I think a lot of people have typically from media really misunderstood about the, the Vikings. Yeah. Some dirty lies. And James, <laughs> feel free. Oh, me and Cece have discussed that James seems to be a Viking expert. He is free to jump in at any time because <laughs> it's, uh, we talked to James and James was like uh, drooling, just talking about yeah, the yeah. Vikings. My <laughs> favorite topic. Norse mythology. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but so, you know, this this is going to be a little bit of a myth buster section. <laughs> I'm Adam Savage. <laughs> uh, but here's what everyone got wrong about Vikings. Okay. Number one, I think a lot of us picture Vikings having those awesome, sweet helmets yeah. with those horns all over the place on them. And maybe a little bit of fur around the, the Yeah, yeah. The Why brim? not? Why not? It's pretty cool. You know, they're raging in the battle. I picture them maybe like, Impaling someone on them, like lifting them up, like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> it, turns, it turns out, you know, I mean, that last one was definitely something I would like to see. But unfortunately, the helmets, uh, they didn't really have that. Except for maybe some that were used in religious ceremonies. The Vikings wore far more mundane and boring helmets. And practical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, but they were functional, I guess. And they're made usually from iron or leather. But... I thought it was pretty funny, actually, because the TV show Vikings actually doesn't have any of its characters wear any helmets. Yeah, <laughs> when I they go in the why. battle, it's, it's true. It's just a sh- they just want their actors to have their faces. That way, yeah. you, a, an audience can track the characters in battle. Yeah, Ooh, you can see the sexy Viking yeah. hair. It makes sense, but I saw the <laughs> I saw like a, a write up about this, and they're just talking about how. No civilization in history has ever gone into battle without a helmet. <laughs> I mean, not in, not in history, but, you know, uh, since any sort of thought was put into it. Yeah. No, one, yeah. no one's going into melee combat with no, without a helmet. True. So, <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty interesting. What's more interesting is no one actually used the word Viking. What? Uh. That's something we came up with in the 19th century. At the time, they weren't called Vikings, but rather they were called the Norse, Norsemen, Northmen, and the Dames. Dames. Yeah. And it turns out that no one really knows for sure where the term Viking came from. But, Interesting. Uh, yeah. It wasn't from a time that the Vikings, that's in quotes, knew of. So yeah. it was far afterwards. Yeah. But they think it probably came up during the 19th century, during the, I think that's the Romantic period. I can't remember. Romanticism. Ooh. So, and James, I've got one more that I'm going to delve into. I'll let you maybe, okay. uh, if you've got some other juicy I will bits. say, I will say one quick thing about uh, the, the etymology. Uh, they raided the Brits a lot. Like, that's, that's a huge part of British history. Right. And the word Vikings Old English. And generally, if you think about it, like, let's say you're, you're playing on some, on, you know, an away game. In other words, you know, your enemy has uh, home field advantage. 
you're going to want to be close to a place with potable water. Well, the old English word means creek dweller. So it kind of makes sense. It's like, you know, these dudes just show up out of nowhere. They set up camp near a river and then they raid and, and burn your whole village down. You might want to call them the, the creek camp people or something like that because that's where they, they were. So that's probably, I mean, we don't know, but that's probably where the name came from. Hmm. Very possible. Now, I'm sure, you know, James, if you have more, you can lay them down after I dropped my, my final factoid. My, okay. My, my last beat. But <laughs> I did want to mention the biggest letdown that I was able to find. Uh-oh. Prepare yourselves, my friends. Oh, no. The Viking funeral <laughs> is a sham. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. You know, you know the one a listener where they push someone out on a boat. After that, they're dead. I guess I should preface it. They're actually they're already <laughs> dead. It's a funeral. They're pushing the boat out, and then they shoot and, the arrow. And they're, they're, yeah, they're out in the beautiful sea, and then someone fires that single arrow that beautifully lands on the boat, and it goes ablaze. <laughs> we all have tears running down our face. Yeah, it's a very poignant moment in the film. But what they don't show you is what happens in the next morning when they've done that, and that's when the charred body washes ashore. <laughs> Oh my. <laughs> and everyone has to wonder if Viking Greg was alive when they set it ablaze. Because <laughs> it turns out that the boat act doesn't actually burn hot enough to cremate a body. <laughs> so uh. you you would if you actually did this, you would just have a charred corpse waiting on your shore the next day. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> so that is dark. So did they did they really shoot the flame into the boat? No, they didn't know okay. that happened. None of it happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cece's so disappointed. I know, right? Well, that's what they did in Thor with, with Freya. Well, those are magical people. And that they said that you could maybe do it if she, you had a ton of fuel, but they said there's no way they're advanced enough to do that. No, well, she did turn mm. into like colorful yeah, dust does. and sparkles, yeah, exactly. didn't she? Yeah, it works in Thor. Okay. They're magical okay. beings. <laughs> they, got, they got super technology. They got fuel that'll flat. <laughs> Flash fry your body in seconds. Oh my gosh, yeah. Alex! <laughs> so it turns out that the the fire never really gets that hot, mostly because the boat is surrounded by water, which is cooling it. And really, the most that you could possibly probably get back then from it is eleven hundred degrees. But really, they're mostly probably at four hundred, maybe to six hundred degrees fahrenheit that's, that's what i cook it's one's just, uh chicken sticks with say, that's yeah. just a pot roast right? yeah. <laughs> exactly. you're, you're gonna be you're gonna be seeing your uh old husband oh real my soon. gosh <laughs> and to be fair they're gonna be juicy <laughs> <laughs> so oh. so yeah they're not actually doing much other than charring these bodies so if they did do that. So you actually need 2,000 degrees <laughs> to burn a body. But it's not just that. So say they got the boat that hot. That still wouldn't do it. It has to stay at that temperature for hours. For two hours. Yeah. So, yeah. It's actually pretty much impossible to do that. Man. And yes, for all those asking, it is illegal to do that in the U.S. <laughs> to try and do your own Viking funeral. Lots of people ask. And it was the second thing that came up on my Google search. <laughs> wow. But it turns out what they actually do, uh, at least for a while, is they did a giant funeral pyre. Mm. And 
Then they would they put the body there and like have you know you've seen that in movies too the funeral pyre yeah and they burn it that sure. way sometimes they would burn it's kind of disputed on whether they would burn it or not but they would burn the clothes and their favorite foods and uh, they would burn and this is kind of debated as well if if they would burn a sword with them like their weapon their weapon in the hmm. afterlife but when they when they did start burying the bodies. They would break the sword and toss it into the grave with them. Essentially, they they believed that the sword was kind of like their spirit or their soul. And so when they broke it, that was like their final journey, I guess. Hmm. That really ended ended their life here before they went to Valhalla. Hmm. <laughs> but uh, they would all they would bury when they were burying them. They would put again their clothes, foods, animals would be sacrificed when they would be burned if they wanted to and if the widow chose to she could also have herself killed and thrown into the grave with them i wonder how often that happened i think it was pretty rare from what i was reading but it did happen yep is it when they when they burn the animals is it like their pet like like you know how some people are like when i die i want you to bury me no it was usually like i go i guess like a lamb or something i don't know what they have over there it was it was a sacrifice it was an offering to take with them you got to bear in mind in valhalla you feast on meat yeah Um, these are all things you wanted you wanted to bring with you when you showed up you wanted to have a party when you got there okay (laughs) all right i guess that makes sense yeah, but I was devastated to learn this, everybody. <laughs> All right, well. Well, one one quick thing. Uh, there's there's one huge misconception that I kind of wanted to cover, um, and that is this idea that the Vikings were this single, uniform nation and culture, uh, when really they were more like a phenomenon than, than a people. Uh, I mean, yeah, they were obviously all Scandinavian, but we tend to associate all Scandinavians with Vikings. And it would be almost like calling British people pirates because uh-huh. there were pirates who were British for like a 200-year, 300-year period. <laughs> right. Well, for, for like a 270-year period, some people of Scandinavia started raiding. And that's really what a Viking is. It's not people belonging to the Norse culture. It's people belonging to the Norse culture who went on raids. <laughs> right. That's what they were. And and it was a very brief period, again, 275 years, give or take. And what had happened was Scandinavia had had a huge, huge explosion in their population. The eldest sons, because of the, the rules of uh, uh, inheritance back then, would get all of their, their father's lands and, and property. And bear in mind, these dudes would have like eight, nine sons. And so what they started doing was once, once that population boom happened, it was like, hmm, where am I going to get money? Where am I going to get resources? Well, there's a bunch of people who are not prepared for an invasion just a little ways off. Yeah. And so that's what they would do. They would go on raids. They, they would raid Britain. They would raid uh, uh, the Celtic Isles. They would raid the northern European coastline. They're just getting resources, really. It was just people doing that. It wasn't all Scandinavians during the time. It was a, a minority of Scandinavians who got really good at it. And eventually, you know, when the rest of Europe was like, we're not putting up with that. And, you know, 1066 happened and and Britain finally started fighting back and winning. Then a lot of these dudes, they just sort of became mercenaries and it just sort of petered out. It just stopped being a thing. There was even a period 
where they were paying tribute to British kings because they'd lost. So it was like they were actually getting resources for the people they'd previously invaded. So, yeah, it was it was more like a, a thing that happened rather than a people. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, James. Now tell us about those murderous berserkers. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Berserker is a really neat concept. And it's one that, you know, we've borrowed the word. We, we, we hear the term berserk all the time. Uh, and it means bear shirt. So bur, sark, bear shirt. Bear shirt. Literally what it, yeah, bear shirt. And it's kind of interesting that the, where we got the Norse sagas, what, what's left of, of Norse mythology, we got it from Snorley Sturluson, who was actually a Christian. A lot of people misunderstand that. I mean, he, he actually studied Norse centuries after it had sort of died out, not the language, the, the uh, Norse paganism. But he claimed that it meant like bare shirt as in not wearing a shirt. And it's a real red flag when our only source for the sagas was dead wrong about something that simple because no, <laughs> it meant bare shirt as in a bare skin shirt, bare fur shirt. Um these guys were sort of like the original furries, I guess. No, just kidding. But, but no, they were they were actually part of a, a bear fixated cult, and that's something that you see in a lot of of European religion. In fact, uh, the English word bear, it's actually kind of a a code word for bear. Like a, I'm kind of kind of thinking, trying to think of what a good word for that is. When you use a word in lieu of something else to keep it secret. Like yeah, I, would, I mean, I would just say say a code word, okay. secret. Well, you weren't actually, it's funny, we don't know what the original word for bear is because it was such a powerful word that people didn't say it because to say it could actually conjure a bear and bears are terrifying. Oh. So we don't actually know the real word for bear. We just have like the replacement word that people would say when they meant bear, but so bear cults were like super common throughout prehistoric Europe. Well, a lot of people think that berserkers were part of a bear cult. So they, they worshiped the, the spirit of the bear as sort of a, sort of the ideal archetype of a warrior. So what they would do is, and these was, these were unique little outfits of soldiers. What they would do is they would presumably turn into something like a bear on the battlefield and just, do these amazing, amazing feats of strength against uh, enemy forces. They would just, they would just wipe the floor with people. This is why it's such a famous concept. This is why even today we say somebody went berserk because uh, it's so strongly ingrained in our consciousness. The real question is, well, why did they go berserk? Like what was actually happening? Surely this wasn't just people psyching themselves out because they were wearing a bear shirt. You know, that's, yeah. That's like something out of a kid's movie. You know, the the real bear was with you all along. <laughs> uh, well, there's a lot of potential um, explanations, but there's two that have really become prominent. And the first, uh, the reason why I even wanted to cover Berserkers is because it is such a fascinating symbol. We even have it today. You could say that Berserkers were the original Santa Claus. because. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, well, tell me, what do you think of when you think of Santa Claus? I think of a jolly old fat man with a white beard who brings me presents. Yeah. Anything else about his appearance that you find interesting? He wears a red suit. 
He sure does. And what 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 are the colors exactly that he wears? Red, white, and black. Yeah, red, white, and black. And, and it actually looks kind of like fur, doesn't it? It's like a fuzzy. Kind it's of velvet. Suit. Well, yeah, it's velvet. Um, <laughs> well, one of the plants that people proposed that the berserkers took to go berserk was fly amanita, which is a. It's that iconic you see it again it's one of those things that's everywhere in pop culture it's the flipping mushroom that makes mario go berserk or at least get bigger (laughs) it's that red and white toadstool that particular kind of plant you eat that plant and you go berserk and a lot of shamans back in in prehistoric europe presumably this is all somewhat theoretical because we don't have a lot of evidence but Presumably, a lot of these shamans, what they would do is they would actually eat these amanita because they develop a tolerance for them and they would have these visions, but then they would also urinate into vessels and whoever they were trying to help would then drink that and get tracer, smaller amounts oh of those gosh. compounds. What these berserkers would do is they would do the same thing, except instead of, you know, the, the filtered version, which <laughs> instead they would eat these mushrooms on the battlefield and then they would go berserk, presumably. Huh. And the reason why Santa has reindeer, by the way, is reindeer also happen to love the Amanitas and they like eating it and going berserk too. Just a heads up. <laughs> yeah. Rudolph? It's one of those weird... Rudolph, Rudolph was, his nose was glowing because he's a druggie, man. He's on, he's on mushrooms. Um, another Santa, potential. Santa suit's red because of all the murder he's committed. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, well, St. Nicholas, if I remember right, he actually did kill a guy once. I can't remember what the circumstances were. Anyway. Um, <laughs> That's my favorite Disney to, movie. <laughs> back to Berserkers, though. Another possible plant uh, that's also sort of a, a an aggression uh, inspiring plant is henbane, which I find interesting because that's something that grows all over the world, including in Kentucky. Oh, I've but, heard of it. And I don't James, recommend. I've By the way, nobody use. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, any kind of of these like intoxicant stimulating um, compounds could have been the explanation. We don't really know for sure which one was used, but we do know that these these particular soldiers they would. They would wear uh, animal skins. They would consume entheogenic and hallucinogenic compounds, and then they would just wipe the floor with people in warfare. And there were three actual groups, and they weren't all bear warriors, actually. There were also the Ulfhevnar, who were the, the wolf warriors, and they wore wolf coats. And you also had the Sventhilking, which were the boar warriors. They would wear boar skins. And I think it's interesting that they wore boar skins. The reason why was they were, this is less so a cult, they worshipped the god Freyr, who was, like me, a, a god of agriculture and fertility. <laughs> and also, <laughs> uh, and interestingly enough, Alex, you, you might find this interesting. The, uh, he now works the at British the DMV. People, oh. <laughs> the, the British people originally... The British people originally were called by the Romans the Ingevons, and that's because they they were sons of Freyr. So all English people pre-Christian believed that they were descendants of Freyr. They were literal part of of Freyr's bloodline, people Hmm. of British ancestry like you and I. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Neat stuff. Wow. Wow, That is cool. Jeez Louise. I knew they took took mushrooms to go into battle, but I didn't know that they... Had different factions. I didn't realize they were those cute little red factions. and white ones. Yeah, yeah, fly amanita, which, you know, even today people use to kill flies. 
I've seen people do that in, you know, like uh, haulers. You chop it up and put it in a bowl of milk, and then flies eat it, and they all drop dead. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to need a muscaria. Well, is it my turn? If you want it to be. Yes, it is. All right, you guys. Today, I got a lot of my sources from (laughs) vikinganswerlady.com. (laughs) <laughs> terry-graves.com and then i've got some other sites within my my topic but today you guys i'm gonna cast a spell on all you oh, with wow. my knowledge of the seder Grar. okay wow okay <laughs> and james you pronounce it differently right i say seder yeah yeah i've seen i've seen both pronunciations online seder yeah. and seder Make sure you oscillate each time you say it. Well, when I say Seder, (laughs) it makes me feel like my Kentucky accent's coming out. Seder. 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 (laughs) But it's an appropriate topic for me, right, James? Agreed. Because a Seder within the Viking culture was usually, but not always, I'm going to put that out there, a female magician or witch Mm -hmm. or prophetess or soothsayer. (laughs) If it was magic, they'd do it and they could tell the future they could change the course of the future they could cast spells that would affect wildlife so i guess to make like hunting and fishing easier Ooh. or something they could change the weather they could put hexes on people and cast spells to affect people's minds like to make them forget something or make them think that they see something that's not actually there but they could do a lot mm. of things the art was actually pretty broad and these women who were satyr were both respected by others and also feared by a lot of people. Like it was good to have a satyr on your side, but it was also like not good to have a satyr that's against you. Oh yeah. It's bad news bears. They'd be like, Oh no, you guys, Hilda's in town. Let's go hide in the broom broom closet and hope she didn't bring her distaff. Her what? Her distaff. Okay. It has to do with spinning. But we know that Seder were around during the late Scandinavian Iron Age, but we don't have much information on how this religion kind of came to be. But there Mm. are many accounts of Seder written throughout Norse mythology and sagas. So we do know about it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. While Seder were usually women, sometimes called, Alex, don't you dare laugh. Mm. Vulva. (laughs) Meaning seeress. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then spay, I think that's how you say it. Spay was kind of like the fancy substitution for the word satyr. Because you know how in our psychics episode we talked about some psychics don't like being called psychics. They like being called mediums because that's a little bit more formal and it's there's less negative connotation with it. Right. So spay was kind of like that for the word satyr. But Freya was like the queen of magic. And you know Freya. Didn't we? we, we the Thor's about- mom. Yeah, Thor's mama. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Married to Odin. Freyr's but... sister, by the way. What? Boars were really important to her, too. She's Freyr's, Ingwe's sister, the, the dude I was talking about earlier. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're the Vanir. They got a, they had a war with the Aesir, and then part of the peace treaty was Freyr and Freya moving in with uh, Odin and Thor and all them, all the Aesir at uh, Asgard. There's, there's a lot of family history. Yeah, there. the only one that stayed away was uh, Njord, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's all complicated. It's all get out. Well, Freya brought the art to the gods, and then they were just like, whoa. But while most satyr were women, some men did perform magic and partake in this art, but it did kind of cast a shadow on their masculinity. Uh Yeah, it was kind of... They were often referred to as Ergi, 
which means unmanliness. <laughs> and somehow that word really did convey that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're an irrigate. Yeah. Well, it was often frowned upon well, for yeah. men to be saved men, but there was one really famous one, you guys. Y'all ever hear of hmm. Odin? Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know the god of death and knowledge and sorcery? Mm. The father of Thor's, we just mentioned a yep. minute ago. Yeah, that Odin. And he may have been <laughs> taunted by his magical brother, Loki, not his adopted son, like in the Marvel Universe. But Yeah, Loki's complicated. We don't really know what Loki, Loki is. Loki was We really I mean it's just he's yeah. He's not in a seer, we don't think. He's not a vanier, we don't think. He's just he's just Loki. He's just Loki. He's he's a trickster, that's for sure. <laughs> <sighs> but get this. It's believed that men shouldn't be Satan because it was a manipulative art and manipulation is a woman's game. Ooh. Okay. Rude. Sure. <laughs> so how did they perform magic, you guys? There were lots of different techniques, such as, and James, you'll have to tell me if I'm mispronouncing this, Galder? Galder. Galder is a type of song that can be used to do just about anything, really. Uh, I found a really great mm-hmm. thread on Viking magic on Reddit, and a user, I'm going to try my best to say his name, it looks like it's Try Give Bratelli. He or she said it could be used for raising the dead, and Odin apparently did this in the Voluspa. He uh, used necromancy to question a dead witch, I think. But the Voluspa is a Norse poem, but it's also my favorite candle brand. <laughs> mm. oh They're gosh. Baltic amber, though, you guys. It smells like heaven. So if anyone wants to send me a gift, Baltic amber Voluspa candle or oh the French Cape lavender, because <laughs> oh it makes me happy. You can find them in anthropology. Okay, anyways. Gone off on a tangent. Mm. Galder. Songs could also be used for healing diseases and stopping hate and becoming invincible. But I want to know, I wonder, like, did the witches have different songs? Like, they each had their own song that they would perform to get a given result? Or was there, like, a song that was universal that all of the satyr knew? And it's like, this is what I want to sing when I want to stop a storm. And then this is what I want to sing when I want to beckon a rabbit. You know? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, that's a real rabbit hole of a question because this goes back to the whole Indo-European, proto-Indo-European belief system. You know, if you look at Hinduism, they believe that during the golden ages of civilization, there was a divine resonance to everything. So when you used a word, this is is an ancient language pre-existing what we have now. If you used a word for, say, wheat... You weren't just saying wheat. You were making the same vibration as wheat. So words themselves were magic. Mm. And we see this with a lot of religions. I mean, how did in Christianity, how did God create the world? You know, he spoke. He said, let there be light. So it's very similar in that context. It's the idea that vibration and uh, the use of words in tandem with meaning can actually bring about mm, results. Hmm. If that makes any sense. No, that makes sense. Well, another form of magic, dreams or dream interpretations. Sometimes Seder would have a dream and then sometimes a non-magical person would have a dream and then the Seder would just interpret it and say, this uh-huh. is what that means. Um, shape-shifting wasn't unheard of. 
Some powerful satyr could apparently change into other people or even animals if requested. And one example that I read was that a satyr once turned herself into a bird so she could chirp all through the night to keep somebody awake. (laughs) So they could do small things like that. But then I also saw some things that mentioned werewolves possibly being satyr. Oh. And where when satyr casting spells on people to turn them into werewolves. So... I, I didn't find too much information on that. I didn't really concentrate my studies on that. But, James, if you know something about werewolves that you want to throw in, just do it. I know that if someone was, was kicked out of, of their group, out of their tribe, for practicing um, magic or for losing their honor, a lot of times they would actually refer to them as Varger, which means wolf. So I'd say a lot of magic, a lot of hexes involve losing your honor and being shunned by the community. So even if they don't turn you into a literal werewolf, there's a good chance they turn you into a, you know, quote unquote wolf. You're legally dead to to the people that you care about. That's cold. Mm-hmm. Okay, another form of magic, weaving or spinning charms. It's believed that some satyr would literally thread or weave magic into clothes and fabric with spun wool and flax. They would like say, this thread is going to give you the strength that you need in battle. And then they would put on their shirt and be like, Oh, I'm stronger. Okay. And I also read an example on this very well-written blog at brutenorse.com. It was a very well-written blog, but they used an example of a satyr using a textile to perform magic, but they could pretend to milk a cord, like Mm. a piece of wool cord to steal Mm -hmm. actual milk from somebody else's cow. So weird. Yeah. Mm. Isn't that weird? And then they also Mm. used runes which is like a writing system, but they could use it to make things more powerful or cast spells. Like they could etch some runes onto a weapon to make it more efficient. So they would mm. use them that yeah, way. Yeah, I think rune work is one of the few examples where that you don't have the same stigma of femininity to it. Yeah. Uh, the last I'll mention is drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and James, I know you mentioned this earlier. But they may have used various hallucinogenics to have visions. And this isn't mentioned really in any of the Norse mythology or sagas. But archaeologists have found evidence of it at burial sites. Some bodies have been found with little cannabis seeds. They're party animals. And then they had vein <laughs> seeds and other odds and ends. So they probably mm. got crunk. Goes hand in hand with the berserkers. Yeah. 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 And it turns out they're called berserkers because of how hard they party. <laughs> well, satyrs started to die down when Europe began to undergo Christianization. Hmm. Then Christians highly frowned upon any sort of magic. So people started to begin to stop performing it. Hmm. Or so the Christians thought. Wink. Plot <laughs> twist. They didn't wow. disappear entirely. They just started performing it secretly. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And Seder actually, they performed it in secrecy for a very long time. And there are still some people who practice this religion today. It's not many. And it's almost definitely not like it was performed way back in the day. But it is still around. So. Well, you tell James' cows that now that I've milked them. Yeah. yeah I, well, <laughs> I was talking. Alex had a string and he was just running his fingers up and down it. It's weird. Weird. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But Alex actually has a cousin who was a... He was a vegan Viking for a while. He lived a vegan Viking lifestyle. So, 
A vegan. 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 A vegan. How how does a vegan okay, so if you eat meat when you're in Valhalla, how does a vegan mm. Viking Ooh, that's a good question. survive I when think they he, I mean, who knows, right? I mean he eventually uh, gave in and he started eating meat, but Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So this is a little bit about the Seder or the Seder, hmm. as James says it. <laughs> Speaking of uh using that particular diphthong, um I'd kind of like to do a little callback because there is one interesting form of Sather that uh, that we didn't cover that I mentioned in a previous episode in passing. I mentioned some rituals involving a hobby horse. You know, people hear the word hobby horse and they think of a toy horse head on a stick, but it has a much darker, grimmer origin. Yes. Yeah, um, and that is the the knithing stong or the nid stong, as some people call it, a knithing pole, in other words, and that is one of the most brutal kinds of curses. Uh, where you take a pole, you cut a rune curse on the pole, and you put a horse's head on top of the pole, either skeletal or just full-blown decapitated. In some cultures, it's a calf's head. Uh, and you, you prop it up, and you ultimately curse someone. Huh. So, Do you have to like talk with the mouth as it goes up and down? Like, I cursed you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, and I think a lot of it comes from the fact that horse sacrifice is also a really huge part of uh, Indo-European culture because horses were so valued that if you were willing to do something like that, like it was the kind of thing that if you did that, like the gods are going to immediately start paying attention. Jeez. And it was it was a very brutal thing that you could do. It was it was probably one of the darker components of Sather. <laughs> Is, is the night. It's absolutely pole. terrible. Oof. Well, James. But we see it now in our, our modern uh, uh, stuff. Next time it's Christmas morning and you see a little kid riding a hobby horse, just think that goes all the way back oh. to ancient. Yeah. Horse James. Just think that child's <laughs> cursing me right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, way to end that on a very dark note, James. Hmm. I have a friend who tried horse when she was in Iceland. She ate it, so it was really good. But I don't think I'd ever want to eat a horse. No. They're too cute. Yeah, I had the opportunities, and I'm like, nah. I'm yeah, you're. Like, it's they're too close to your heart. Well, yeah. it's just weird. It's like eating a dog. This is, by the way, a very American sentiment. As Americans and Australians are like, what horse? But everybody else on the planet is just like, yeah, horse. <laughs> so, yeah, I uh, wouldn't eat horse. Though. By the way, do you guys know the last? Uh, do you guys know the last notable case of using a knifing pole? No. It was it was all the way back in the ancient period known as April third of this year. What um, in Iceland? Yeah, in Iceland uh, they put up a, a knifing pole in front of the all thing, the the government building. Presumably, whoever was pissed off, they were mad that the government wasn't paying women fairly, uh, including like nurses, because again, you know, things going on right now. So yeah. The all thing was cursed by somebody with an ithing pole. Wow. Like a month ago. Hell's bells. We need a follow yeah. up of what's happened now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I wonder yeah. if they're really cursed. Okay. Well, you no guys. Idea. James, is there anything else you want to add? Because I know that Vikings are right up your alley. Uh, no, I think we've, we've, we've run our course. We'll probably do another episode at some point, though. Yeah. James, I just, I just have one question. Do you think that you were ever a Viking? I still am. <laughs> <He's> really- <laughs> All right, let me go get the V. Just because you haven't seen me go on a raid doesn't mean I don't. <laughs> no, you guys, guess who left that hobby horse out front? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll be right back. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs>
we've got several new topics this week that came in. So yeah. the vase is looking nice and full. Yeah. All right, Alex. It's what, looking plump. What are we going to talk about next week? Oh, wow. This is a long one. Yeah. I'll read it. Ooh, ooh. This is actually oh. an episode. We're going to return to cults next week. Ooh. Yeah. And this was submitted by our dear friend Callie. And she's got a couple of different cults that she wants us to touch upon. So there are a lot of them here. So we're going to remember that submission now. Yeah. Yeah. So Callie, thank you so much for sending that to us. Next week, we're going to talk about cults. Yeah. What's up, Callie? Yeah. Hi, Callie. Okay. Well, I think that's it for this episode, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Alex, who does our music? Our music is by Grant Cook. You can find his music on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, anywhere you listen to music. Anywhere. So until next time, you guys, we hope that you can keep it straight. I know, did my singing trip you guys out? Rudolph, his nose was glowing because he's a druggie, man. <laughs>